The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. This is Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. I'm doing a series of shows on Black Lives Matter, a new thought response for justice. And today I have three esteemed guests, friends of mine, family members of mine, not biologically, but spiritually. Because, And I want them on this show because I know that they will give some insight to this uh, situation of systematic racism and how the New Thought Movement can, first of all, address its own issues and then also be a catalyst for the transformation of human consciousness. So on the show today, I have the Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen, the Reverend Celeste Frazier, and the Reverend Greg Stamper. Hello, everyone. Hi. Good morning, Good morning. Hey there. Hey there. So I just want to give everybody an opportunity. If this is the first time anybody is tuning in, I never want to assume anything because all of you all have been guests on the show before. Uh, So if everybody could just take a moment to uh, introduce themselves and and what they what you represent or what you're working on, and then we can get to the questions. Uh, Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen, could you go first, please? Okay, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for this opportunity, um, Reverend Galen. I'm Sheila McKeithen, the president of the Universal Foundation for Better Living and senior minister of the Universal Center of Truth in Kingston, Jamaica. And um, I am currently in the midst of a 46th anniversary celebration of the Universal Foundation for Better Living that was established in 1974, and keeping a pulse on our ministers, our teams, to just make sure that uh, of how they are progressing in this season and how they are taking care of themselves, as well as you know keeping a pulse on all of the activities that are happening in the world and uh, our spiritual responses and the uh, opportunities that we have to fully participate and engage one another and to help us all move forward uh, as a collective. So that's where I am. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Reverend Celeste Frazier, could you introduce yourself, please? Yes, good morning, and thank you for having me, Galen. I'm Reverend Celeste A. Frazier. I am back in Chicago. I have been on the West Coast, but I am a 
Center for Spiritual Living ordained minister. I am utilizing my focus ministry through my podcast, Mystic Magic, and that's on all of the available venues uh, for podcasts. I've been um, teaching, and I'm continuing to teach some people out here in the suburbs of Chicago, and I'm doing my Listening from Love workshop coming up about race relations and, um, you know, doing the visioning workshop at the INTA conference and just trying to stay calm, keep everybody really tuned in to love and and doing that in an active way, not just talking about it, but just engaging and doing the work that we need to do for the fulfillment of our souls. Beautiful, beautiful. Reverend Greg Stanford, could you introduce yourself, please? Uh, yes. Good morning. Hello again, everyone. Thank you. Reverend Kalen, for this opportunity to be here and to to have a dialogue and a conversation. I am the co-pastor and co-founder of Celebration Spiritual Center, uh, based here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, We, of course, uh, in New York and in Brooklyn have um, uh, been dealing with the the brunt of COVID-19 and supporting our our congregation and um, the the city uh, as much as possible uh, and moving through that process, Um, as well as, of course, as with the rest of the country, um, we, we're seeing massive protests um, here in New York and, and really supporting folks there. Um, I'm also, um, I, I work with the human rights organization Witness, uh, which was founded uh, in 92 directly after the, uh, um, the, the not guilty verdict uh, and the Rodney King beating. Uh, and so uh, in working with that organization, we're supporting folks in um, learning and understanding how to, act, how to use video um, to make change. Beautiful, beautiful. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask the same question and I want to get your different responses so people can have an opportunity to uh, hear your insight, wisdom, and how you apply spiritual principles to this unique situation around Black Lives Matter. So um, my first question is, how are you as an African-American processing the waking up of mainstream media and society concerning racial inequality. Uh, Reverend McKeithen, could you go first with this question, please? Oh, wow. Thanks a lot, Galen, for sending me first um, out of the box. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I would say that, you know, as a a female uh, raised in the South uh, in America, um, I am really giving thanks that much of the information that we have had, we have uh, experienced um, uh, growing up in the South and really around America is now coming to light so that uh, people, it's right in your face now, you know, through video where you get to actually see for yourself what many have known for a very long time. So I'm really in a place of, of thanksgiving. I'm also in a place of thanksgiving because I believe that the spiritual work that has been done over the years is now reaping fruitage and that the um, erroneous conditions, the beliefs, the concepts um, uh, that, that, that tend to separate us rather than unite us are coming to the fore and we get to see them. I'm giving thanks because in this moment we have um, the opportunity to formulate a response uh, that says, okay, we're, we see it, we, we didn't know, maybe we didn't know or we didn't pay attention, um, we weren't interested, 
Um, but I'm looking for really honest dialogue, and I think that that space has to be created so that we can, um, you know, address, uh, meet each other at the uh, at the peace table, and then craft strategies for uh, moving forward that works. Uh, not just for a segment of society, but for all of society. And so that's where that's where I'm at. that's where I am. So in the midst of all of this, you know, my heart really is in Thanksgiving that we now get to uh, decide where do we go from here. Beautiful, beautiful, Reverend Celeste. Um, how are you as an African American processing the waking up of mainstream media and the society concerning racial inequality? Well, first, I'm making sure that I stay calm, <laughs> and and I'm also trying to do what I can to take care of black people and all people because um, there's a lot of trauma, and so you know I I'm you know I'm offering my daily meditations to people uh, Tuesday through Friday. I'm educating the white people who are asking for help. I'm shaking up the white people who think that they don't need to know anything, keep calming myself, supporting and encouraging white people's awakening, I'm being vocal, and I'm being passionate, and I'm being grateful, and I'm still a little impatient, but that's a good thing because that keeps me on my edge. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Reverend Greg Stanford, do I need to say the question again, or do you have it? I have it. I have it. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Um. Well, processing, you know, it's happening on an individual level, and then there's also the supporting of of, of our congregation um, as well. And um, for for me, one of the, the most important things is um, self care. Right? There's there's so much going on, you know, day to day. The feelings and the emotions rise and fall, and we we recognize and understand that that's that's the nature of life. Um, but what what's so very important and, and what we've really been um, seeking to support um, anyone who, who is listening um, is understanding and learning how to access peace in the midst of the storm, mm-hmm. right? That, that what we understand and know that even as these external conditions are going on, there is an inner internal peace that we have access to, that we must have access to if we are going to experience the fruits of these changes that are happening. Um, and, and, and so I'm constantly bringing myself back to that, whether, and of course, through yoga and meditation and prayer, um, and then also admonishing um, um, everyone in our congregation to do the same. That also means, Reverend Celeste, you spoke to trauma. That also means therapy um, uh, and encouraging that um, and, and utilizing those resources because for me, I, I stand with, with uh, my brother Casey Gerald when he says, you know, one of the most important things that black people can do right now is to be well, not woke, right? To understand that our wellness is our wealth and our wellness again is what is going to allow us to be in the place to actually experience the fruits of the changes that are taking place. Beautiful, beautiful. So as we are working with um, all that you all share, which is so wonderful, uh, how do you think, we'll just use the order that we're in and I think that'll make it just easier instead of me just kind of jumping in and out. So I'll go back to Reverend Sheila uh, to begin with. How do you think the New Thought message can help the world understand and respect racial diversity? Well, I think the, the, the new, new Thought message is, 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 is one of um, love as its basis, inclusiveness 
and uh, oneness. So that is our message and has been our message. And that's evidenced in the fact that, you know, in the hierarchy of these organizations, there are um, there's room for all kinds of people, you know, however they show up in whatever, um, you know, color skin and whatever um, uh, orientation or preference uh, as it relates to gender. Uh, and so I think that's a that that's a good thing. So we actually can be the models for uh, racial diversity uh, if we choose to be. The other thing is that New Thought, I believe itself, its message has to be very clear that it is on this path of unity, of oneness, of bringing people together, of believing that God is um, enthroned in each and every individual. Uh, I was saying in an interview, uh, I think last week, that you know our fundamental statement in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, uh, in terms of our as close as we come to a creed, the very first statement says we believe that it is God's will that every individual, every individual, I'm going to say that again, every individual on the face of the earth live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. And because this is the case, then that means that we must then exercise our voice when it appears that there are individuals in society who are being the, the, uh, denied the, the God's will that they live healthy, happy, uh, and prosperous and have access to, to justice. And uh, so I think it's our call, and I think that if we just live true to what we teach, and that's what people are looking for today. They're looking for authenticity in the, in the teaching, not just preaching, but preaching followed by action. They're looking for moral leadership, that what you say on Sunday in your pulpit that you walk when you walk off the pulpit, you're still walking in it, and you're walking through it Monday through Saturday and then again Sunday when you show up. So I think to model what we teach and to dig deep into what we really teach and uh, move that forward. And I'll just stop there so the others can share. Beautiful, beautiful. Reverend uh, Celeste, how do you think the New Thought message can help the world understand and respect racial diversity? Well, we've got to start with the key principle, which is oneness. I mean, when, when I'm doing affirmative prayer, I'm, I'm, I am moving into an awareness of the presence, and then I'm moving into an awareness of the allness of the presence. That brings everybody into my heart. And therefore, oneness, my compassion is at its penultimate state. It doesn't get any greater than that in that moment of being in the, in the deep heart of that treatment, of that spiritual affirmative prayer. And so our spiritual practices are what we use. You know, visioning. I just used it for a mixed group on the East Coast by Zoom who formed a group to discuss and promote race relations amongst themselves, amongst their community because of the little flare-ups that are happening in their area. And they went deep, and they made new discoveries about the depth of their commitment to diversity and, and, and to oneness and to, and to living together peacefully. You know, we've got the, the meditation, which keeps us centered in the awareness of our connection with the source of love itself. You know, our, our forgiveness practices. It, when we take this teaching to heart and we absolutely live it, then this is how we use it. You know, um, I've been part of a, the, the Center for Spiritual Living diversity uh, 
commissioned, I've been a diversity trainer. I've done diversity training across this country using these spiritual principles to say that oneness is not sameness, but, you know, you can't just spout, you know, that, that God is all there is unless you're willing to see God in each other, unless you're willing to find God in yourself, unless you're willing to use that as a connection to to be able to speak to the heart of people, to bring them to their spirit, to their, their level of understanding what perfection is, and to be able to only see through that vision the perfection of everyone around them. Beautiful, beautiful. So, Reverend Greg, uh, do I need to repeat the question? Oh, you got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> All um, right. I'm just and I'm, I'm just going to piggyback on Reverend Celeste. I think that that underlying idea of God is all there is. One of one of the gifts that we bring to the world is our God concept, right? And I absolutely believe that uh, part of part of what will take place. It's really already taking place. We see it throughout different circles. Um, that a healed understanding of God, a healed understanding of the all that is, begins to then uh, heal our consciousness and heal, um, changes the lens by which we look at the world, by, by which we look at uh, people who may look different than us, who may show up in the world different than us. Um, and that directly speaks to um, the beauty of racial diversity. Um, I, I, I love right that idea of oneness is its sameness. The, the example I love to use many times is uh, as a musician thinking about a, a chord, right? A C chord is comprised of three different notes, C, E, and G, right? From a scientific perspective, they're literally three different frequencies. They have different numbers that represent them. Um, when you play those three notes together, we get a beautiful major chord that everyone loves, but each note is different. Uh, and so when we think about harmony, um, when we think about oneness, that's what we're talking about. In the same way that we understand the beauty of a chord um, that is comprised of three different notes, um, this is the same beauty that humanity represents. We are one race, the human race, and yet we are incredibly diverse. Beautiful, beautiful. So it's time to get to a harder question, because I think that when you are part of a movement, um, there are times when you have to critique your own movement, your own uh, uh, group of, of believers and followers and leaders. So this question really addresses that issue. Uh, what does New Thought need to do to become more racially diverse? Uh, we'll start with you, Reverend McKeithen. Oh, wow. Um, I, you know what? Uh, new Thought itself is diverse. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the message, um, how it's explained, um, and we can see a diversity of uh, how it hits the ground and, and starts running, depending on, you know, which new thought organization you're talking about. So first I have to qualify that um, I don't know that all of new thought is uh, on the exact same page. I, I just I just don't know that. So I would say in answer to the question, how do how how do we become more racial, racially diverse? First thing is is do you want to be more racially diverse? You know, that's for me. That's the first question. I don't think you can impose anything on people that they, um, you know, are not willing to embrace. Um, you know, do you want to be uh, racially diverse? Is it okay with you if your congregation, if your leadership, became uh, diverse, not just racially, but in any way? Um, you know, and I think every indiv every individual, you know, 
organization has to answer that question and then craft the pathway for that to happen. But the second thing I would say is we have to learn how to listen. So, for instance, your your flyer for today's show, advertising, mentions a term that many have um, pushed pushed back against, and that's Black Lives Matter. And you know, the thing is, is that um, that that slogan has been has has been taken. Uh, and I remember, at least for me, when it happened, uh, when the movement first arose uh, out of out of out of out of Ferguson, and um, I remember seeing a commentator immediately take the term Black Lives Matter and say, um, hey, have they been labeled a hate group yet? Just like that. So it just flipped the narrative. And some people are very good at flipping the narrative. And I think if New Thought is willing to listen, no one said only Black Lives Matter. No one said Black Lives Matter alone. What they were saying is black lives matter too. And so when most people who attack um, the, the, the slogan or the movement begin to uh, the encounter with all kinds of responses, which is really you're changing the narrative. That's not the narrative. The narrative statement is black lives matter also. They matter too, despite officers being acquitted again and again and again for slaughtering uh, people of color uh, despite uh, no indictments, uh, despite uh, no, just, no, no justice, uh, 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 police officers are able to stay in their jobs and all of that. And it's happening again and again and again and again. And so um, I think to begin to listen and not be so defensive. We all bring our experiences to uh, whatever it is that we're talking about. I mean, I bring law enforcement. I bring a uh, legal background. You know, I bring my experiences from the South and what I've personally experienced, um, even as a New Thought uh, a teacher and leader. You know, I've, I've, I've heard comments and had them said directly to my face. Um, so, but I'm willing to listen. I haven't closed my heart because that's not our teaching. My teaching, the teaching, as Celeste was saying and Reverend uh, uh, Stamper was saying, is to, above all, I must keep my heart pure because it's the pure in heart that shall see God. So I would say, one, do you want to be more diverse racially and otherwise? And two, are you willing to listen? Because believe it or not, there are perspectives other than the one that you offer. Beautiful, beautiful. Reverend Celeste, do you want to jump in on it? Uh, how yeah, New Thought yeah. I mean, can be more... I was on ahead, a Zoom please. call uh, last night. It was a diversity call. Uh, we have a diversity commission. They have different webinars. They were interviewing Edward Yoon, our uh, community spiritual leader, last night. And um, I, just called, I just called it what it was. And I, I told him that, you know, we spend too much time in Centers for Spiritual Living talking about what's going on in the Ukraine and what's going on in different countries when our own house right here at home is burning up. And, and I told him that we need to do better. And I've been doing this uh, for years. I've been, I've been calmer. I've been teaching my, my fellow ministers, my colleagues. I've let them know when what they're saying is painful and inappropriate. I have, I have called on the organization to stand to what they're proclaiming out to the world, spending so much time trying to craft a statement to the world 
when I'm calling for you to take action. And and the work that I've done in these different centers across the country to try to awaken people to uh, how to live together and to answer the question, why aren't there more people of color in my centers? It's because you haven't shown that you care. And and even in the dialogue that we've been having on our ministers' listserv, um, there's been some really inappropriate things that are coming up. And more and more white allies are starting to come to my aid and newer black ministers are starting to chime in. But for the most part, I'm going to give you an example. I'll, I'll be as brief as I can. Uh, one of the ministers from Sacramento brought up that in our in our literature that Emmett Fox has something in our mental equivalent uh, book that that says, "Oh, I'm so I'm so glad about this shoe shine boy that I had." Well, you know, he was so happy giggling while he was doing his work. I gave him an extra tip, but I didn't have to because he was paid because he was enjoying what he was doing. And so the question was, why didn't you catch this? before it went out and this teacher is about to teach this class in three weeks. Well, you know, the teacher needs to finesse it and figure out how to craft it. And when you're not mentally equipped to know how to address it, you can't even craft it. And you're so tied to keeping the text as it is, not changing a word when every other textbook has different editions. And even the Bible has hundreds of versions. And and just awakening to the, the liberties that people are taking about saying, well, you know, it, it would have been more racist if he used a white man instead of a black man. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, 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 and whenever it's somebody who thinks that they're a friend of mine who says that they love me, it, it hurts even more when I hear that. So I am steadily calling them. I basically called them cowards the other day. And then when, when I, when I finally took my gloves off and called them cowards, then they started to react. Then they started to, to, to be more interested in, oh, well, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to watch this movie and all of that. But we have to do what we say we're about. Otherwise, we're frauds. And so I'm calling for us to stand in our truth. Beautiful, beautiful. Reverend Greg, I want you to be able to have your full opportunity to answer this question. Uh, mm-hmm. We only have a, a, a minute before we actually have to go to uh, break. So let me just get my okay. commercial that I was going to give bef- after the break, which is okay. if you want to connect with Christ Universal Temple, you can go to www.cutemple.org, cutemple.org. You can watch our live stream, which is 10.30 a.m. until 12 p.m. Central Time on our website, cutemple.org, on our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple, or on our YouTube page, CU Temple. You can also watch previous sermons on our YouTube page. We also have uh, Facebook lessons at 12 p.m., Monday through Friday, and I'll be doing one today and tomorrow, matter of fact. Uh, I do them along with our COO, Gavin Jackson, and hopefully you can get some benefit from them. Uh, Reverend Wells has a Facebook show, Temple Talks. 7 p.m. Central Time on his Facebook page. You do uh, Reverend Derek Wells. It should pop up. And we have a consciousness building call at 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. You can get that information on our website. So uh, we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. This is a show on Black Lives Matter and uh, the Reverend Greg Stamper, you are up to answer the question about what does New Thought need to do to become more racially diverse? Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about a guiding principle that I learned from one of my seminary professors um, in, in working with the Bible. Um, and he always reminded us that we have to hold a hermeneutic of suspicion. Um, and what that means for me is, um, uh, in this case, the willingness to be self-critical. Right. And so it points directly to what Reverend Celeste was sharing, that um, we have to begin to, to look at our text right, and be self-critical and not just accept things. We're in the midst of uh, teaching spiritual eco- economics right now. Um, and we've had to, to pause, stop and critique certain things when there's an example used that um, uh, good thoughts are following the white cloud and bad thoughts are following the dark cloud. Right. And when, when, when there's so, so much that speaks to, to the insidious nature of racism um, as it ex- is expressed in the United States of, you know, light versus dark. And, you know, those, those things that are dark are bad and those things that are white are good. Um, and so um, it doesn't take away from, from the teachings of Eric Butterworth. It doesn't take away from the text, which is a, a, a beautiful text and something that I think is, is great to study in these times. Um, there was another occasion where he's, he's heralding Columbus um, as as someone that we should to look at and um, um, you know follow suit, uh, and so we need to be critical of those things. We need to call those things out. Um, but beyond that, I think you know in general, and, and and what I'm you know looking to to my white brothers and sisters to do is to be equally self-critical, right? And ask um, at an organizational level, at at a center level, and at an individual level, right? Why? Are there disproportionately more white people um, in certain spaces? Um, you know, why am I not aware of uh, African American voices um, uh, in New Thought? It's one of the questions I get all the time um, as folks are still, you know, discovering New Thought, coming to New Thought, particularly African Americans, and they see uh, me as an African American New Thought minister. And one of their first questions are, who are the other teachers? Right now, thankfully, I can point them to contemporaries. Um, but we, it, it's helpful to be able to see someone that looks like you, right? All right. Thank you, thank you. You know, one of the things yeah. that I was talking with um, Harvey Bishop a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about a, a post that I put on Facebook when I said that, you know, some people say that we should have a colorblind society. I disagree. I believe we should have a color-honoring society. And I think Absolutely. this is a different conversation. You know, mm-hmm. color-honoring. You know, people say, well, I don't see color. Okay, I get that. But that's like saying I don't see red versus blue. That doesn't make right. red or blue wor- better or worse, but it's red and it's blue. They're all colors. Mm-hmm. Well, we show up and, you know, the manifestation of God in humanity shows up in many ways. And it's great to be able to honor all of the variations in, through which God shows up. And I think we just need to be mindful of it. So um, we do have a caller. And I want to bring this caller in, so let me do that really quickly. Uh, Zena, are you there? Zena, do you? 
Hello? Yes, I am there? here. Thank you. Yes. Hello? Hi. How are you doing there? Where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from the northwest suburbs of the Chicago area. Beautiful, beautiful. Do you have a question uh, for a particular uh, person or in general? Well, that is, I have a question as well as a comment, um, and I don't know which I should start with, but I will, I'll, I'll form the question just so that it gives you guys time to uh, answer, because I'm I'm actually a part of an, uh, I guess you could call a forum group, uh, the AG&T uh, Speaks. They have a matter of fact. We'll be meeting this afternoon on a Zoom call, where um, the Reverend Lola Wright from the Bodhi Spiritual Center is a, a part of this uh, forum, as well as Reverend Aaron McCabe. I believe they were the two ladies that formed this uh, this call, and I've been joining their call uh, ever since they began. It's been about three weeks, and a question I posed to them which is why I really was interested in joining this call, has to do with uh, the unrest and all that is occurring right now in our society as it relates to races and all of the, well, I'll just say the the experience we're all having. Because I was curious to know, because I see so many of the traditional religious um, leaders uh, in front of the camera when they're called to give their insight into all that's going on, but I never, ever see one of our ministers, meaning one of our leaders who is in New Thought or metaphys uh, metaphysics or any of this, this movement to give more of their insight. And I've always been curious to know why that is. Why is well, this well, message me, not well, being me... portrayed? Well, let me jump into this yeah. before anybody else, because I do want to give this a shot. Part yeah. of it is us increasing our profile. The media has go-to people. You know, Catholic Church has been around for, you know, 1,800 years. Uh, you know, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, et cetera. Sometimes it's just profile, you know, you, whether it's CNN or ABC or NBC or CBS or whoever. They have their go-to people that they go to, that they call <laughs> that they bring in front of the camera. Our people are protesting. Mm -hmm. For instance, when we had the big protest downtown in Chicago, uh, the senior minister of Christ Universal Temple was at that protest. Yeah, uh, media California was there. last weekend. Yeah, last weekend. Reverend Wells was in the protest. Yet the, the microphone tends to find the people that the media wants to go to. So part of it is, of course, us increasing our profile. Yes, absolutely. Because they determine your importance, uh, and then they put the microphone in front of you. So we have to increase our profile, increase our voice, so when things happen, we have an opportunity to be heard. Now, I do know that there have been people in front of the camera in the New Thought Movement. Two people in particular that I would mention would be uh, the Reverend uh, Dr. Michael Beckwith and the Reverend Kevin Ross. I know that they've been in front of the camera in California and nationally addressing issues but i do get your point about where are we and i think that's dependent on the individual ministry uh as a movement as a whole i think that's a larger yeah. conversation and i'll let whoever wants to jump in on this question to uh address it to go ahead and, ad and address it no i think you did a good job i just want to quickly say that also uh I, last weekend uh, on camera 
were um, Reverend Cherie uh, Thompson, Reverend Sherry Davis out in uh, Los Angeles actually marching and members of their congregation being a part of that. And I, I believe Reverend Sherry James also, who is the minister of the church, Understanding yes. Principles, was also on camera speaking uh, as well. So there are people. You're not going to catch everything. But uh, as Galen said, uh, press usually has their go-to people. That's all I have to say. Yeah, Anybody else want to address that before we move on? Because we have another caller. I want to make sure I get to the other caller. If we all are good, we can move on to the next caller. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Zena, for the Thank call. You, and Thank you, guys. Thank you. We appreciate Thank you. the work. So, and tell Lola I said hi. She'll be on the show next week. So we're going to rock and roll with uh, David Alexander. Uh, we're going to talk about some things as it concerns how uh, uh, white America and uh, and white leaders in the New Thought Movement can help with this conversation. So we're going to bring on Jackie. Uh, Jackie, are you there? I am. How are you doing there, Jackie? Where are you calling I'm from? I'm calling from New Jersey. Uh, I want to send out a quick shout out to Pastor Greg. Um, I have uh, been to his church many times. I hope he knows who this is uh, and attend uh, services uh, on Sundays. But um, I want <laughs> so I, I wanted to just say a, a quick thing. Uh, it's an observation and a question. One, uh, I do attend a Center for Spiritual Living in southern New Jersey. Um, there's, it's a diverse congregation. Um, obviously, there are more whites than there are people of color. But one thing that I had observed, um, after the ruling, um, after Trayvon Martin um, died, and then the uh, person who killed him was set free, it happened on a, the the decision came down on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I went to 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 my spiritual community on Sunday, and I was like many people, crushed, hurt, angered that this had happened. And I remember sitting in the in in the church that day, and not a word was said mm-hmm. about it, nothing. And and I, and and it and it really stood out to me because I'm thinking as an African American person. I'm hurting right now, and I'm sitting in this spiritual community, and they don't even mention it. And I haven't. And, and that was one example of of things. Whether it was Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, re- more recently. So my question to all of you is, and I'm not the only African American person in this spiritual community, but but how do we or can we help uh, those who are over that spiritual center understand? how important it is to be inclusive in um, addressing the things that are, that are affecting the entire congregation. And cause one thing I will say, I think that there's some fear uh, around saying something. I don't know where that fear comes from, but I have just seen that um, exemplified several times. Okay. Like Who wants to, to jump in on that, that okay, one? Galen? Go ahead, Reverend Celeste. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you used that as an example. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot your name. It's Jackie. 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 Um, so the morning after Trayvon Martin, I went in with, uh, you know, prepared to talk to my people because, um, in Chicago, that was a predominantly black congregation. And, um, when I looked up, there was a white woman in the audience and a Latino man in the audience. 
and the verdict had come out, and most of the people that were on that jury were white women, and the perpetrator was a Latino man. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, I have to also address them. And so and so I did, but you kind I was kind of on the fly because I was expecting only to see black people. But yeah, Jackie, mm-hmm. I am working on them. I am working on getting them to understand how isolating it can be when my white brothers and sisters of the cloth are not addressing the needs and the pain. We are to comfort the afflicted as well as afflict the comfortable. And I'm working on doing both. And if I know your minister, I'll let them know. <laughs> okay. Beautiful, beautiful. And Jackie, I just wanted to just add this one thing, and I think it's important as a conversation. Um, I think the how is not as important as doing it. You know, I think sometimes uh, we, we wait for all the ducks to line up, the perfect conversation, the perfect way. Here's the thing. You are a member of that uh, center. You were in pain. You have a right to go up to your leader and say, hey, as a member of your congregation and a a person that's under, to use old school ministry uh, words, under that person's flock, you have a right to address the issue and bring it to light because, you know, you can be around a thing and not be aware of it at all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't automatically want to assume that because a person didn't do something that that means there's racism. Uh-huh. overt racism involved sometimes when it does when it doesn't affect you directly or people in uh-huh. your community it's just you just bypass it uh-huh. or and then uh-huh. there's the dynamic of that that ministers don't like to talk about but it's a real conversation and that's money when people start doing things that uh saying things from the pulpit that their congregation doesn't like regardless of what it is there can always be a possibility of somebody moving on that minister to move them out, to uh, which means not only are they moving, they have to potentially move from the city, uh, they have to get new employment, they potentially, if they have family or children, there are other factors in play. So when people aren't clear about what they should say, sometimes they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Or if they say it wrong, the potential uh, media backlash that can happen, because now with Twitter, you say the wrong thing, like the 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 uh the white minister that said that uh white privilege is a white blessing somebody caught that tweeted it and it blew up now millions of people have seen it and now he has to live with um what came out of his mouth so i think what i would encourage you to do in a real way mm-hmm. is have that conversation with that leader because here's the thing one of us saying it to the person might mean one thing but if mm-hmm. that person legitimately cares about you they will listen. And if they won't listen, at least listen, then mm-hmm. that leaves you at choice. I'll leave that at that. Uh, Jalen, can I add, can I add one, yeah. one thought? Sure. Um, you know, one, one of the things that comes to my mind is, is power and privilege. Um, and, mm. you know, I think that a lot of our, our ministers, there, there's great training that, that's needed to understand how power and privilege works. Now, I'll give you an example um, uh, from a different lens. Uh, just recently, it's the commemoration of the, the, the murders of the Pulse, at the Pulse nightclub. It's been four years um, since that awful shooting. Now, me as a cis hetero male could have not spoken to it, right? 
we have a wonderfully diverse, beautiful LGBTQ plus community, right? And 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 I, I love and honor our people, right? And, and Pastor Lana and I have stood, you know, and marched. Um, but I could have that that could that didn't affect me technically, right? But what I recognized was that very thing that she said that people were hurting, not just the country, but my own community, right? And so we deliberately, you know, took time, spoke the names, made sure that that service that next Sunday um, was a service for healing, that, that was a service that recognized that it can't just be business as usual. Um, but that was me using my power and privilege to heal, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we, this is the same opportunity that's, that's being asked, um, of, again, of our white brothers and sisters. Again, understanding that power and privilege works different ways, um, you know, whether it's male privilege, whether it's hetero privilege. Um, and so then we can use that again for healing. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Uh, Reverend Sheila, do you want to jump in on that before we take the next no, call? I, I, I think you've covered. I, I, I think you've covered it. I don't want to repeat. So excellent. Okay. Guys. So Reverend Sheila, we have a caller named Sheila on the line. Let me bring her on. <laughs> okay. She, <laughs> Sheila, are you there? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Arlington Heights, Illinois. Yes, that's my my namesake, my birth month buddy, <laughs> and all of that. But my uh, my question is for everybody though. Um, how do you ex- address this issue to our new thought youth? And what do I say as as a member um, to assist in the healing of our youth? Great question. Whoever wants to jump in, go right ahead. I think what's most important, this is Reverend Celeste, I think what's most important is that we listen to them, particularly at a teenage level. They want to be heard. And what our responsibility is, is to create a space for them where they feel it's safe for them to share what their feelings are. And then once they start to share, then we can absolutely support them in knowing their magnificence and knowing their beautiful nature and and regardless of what their skin tone is, that they are a magnificent child of God, and to also know that there are people who are troubled and who are not in touch with their God self and who are are flailing about and and looking for the light and that we can be the light as much as we can as long as we also are taking care of ourselves. Okay, anybody else want to address that question? You know, um, this is Sheila uh, McKeithen, and I would just, you know, say to you that um, um, we know that affirmation works, and we know that that begins at home. And so to affirm our children uh, in the midst of everything that's happening around them and then making the distinction between who they are and who they believe themselves to be and other people's opinion of them that sometimes that's a line of distinction that gets blurred. And so when we affirm our children and they know who they are and they know what their potentiality is, what their rights are, um, I think that's a good thing. In the Attorney General's office, one of my duties was uh, the Attorney General hosted a conference every year, Preventing Crime in the Black Community. And I headed the segment for the youth and every year, we'd have about a 1,000 youth that would come in. And one of the segments I made sure that we had was I had people I knew who were police officers to come in and speak to the youth in terms of encounters with police because what's critical is to get home. 
because you cannot win a battle on the side of the road. You're not going to win the battle on the side of the road. You want to get home and be able to tell your story. And so I think that's important as well. So I think there are good police officers in every department. And to arrange for community events where the police come in and speak to you, particularly at this time, uh, and to, 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 to assure them that they are not there to kill them off. Um, and uh, uh, to give them te te techniques and also, you know, be learning how to take badge numbers and going home and then going back and reporting uh, those uh, police officers that are stepping outside of the duties they have been uh, being paid to do. Thank you, thank you. Reverend Greg, do you want to jump in on it? The, the only other thing I would, uh, just from another perspective, is to think about, you know, young people are leading right now. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that I'm constantly looking at and thinking about is, is how can I mentor, right? What, are the, what, are, what is the wisdom that I can share, uh, particularly, I know visioning has, has come up um, already, um, but really supporting young people and understanding that process of holding an idea in mind, right, uh, and it coming into fruition. We're, we're talking so often about even as we're experiencing some changes um, now, understanding that it, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and so, uh, you know, as we are their elders, we have that opportunity. Um, you know, my daughter is a young college student. She's 18 years old. And, um, you know, I celebrate her generation. I celebrate um, what they're able to do and what they're doing, looking at the March for Our Lives. Um, again, these are young people. And, and most of the changes in this country, um, you know, we can look back and we see that the youth-led movements have been a huge catalyst for that. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Greg. I just want to just add one quick thought. Also dealing with a, a daughter that's in college, just wrapped up her junior year, will be 21 in a couple of months. And we've had a lot of conversations around this issue. And one of the things that I need to be clear of, and what, that I'm clear of is how I communicate. First of all, I think you can be passionate. I think that... Um, Sometimes when we when we deal with spirituality, sometimes we we call it we call ourselves suppressing, or we call ourselves addressing, and we're really suppressing. So then that mm. energy and that anger and frustration come up and come out. So so when I see something that somebody has some background noise, um, I don't know what's happening. Uh, if you can mute your phones right now uh, uh, for a moment while I'm talking, and we'll work that out in the last couple of minutes, is you know, let's make sure that we're just not pushing it down and throwing a rug over it. We need to, first of all, address our own issues and processes. As Reverend Greg talked about earlier, you know, hey, that might mean go talk to a counselor. It might mean go get some pastoral counseling. It might mean mm -hmm. get into a prayer group. First of all, we got to address ourselves. Yes. So we can yes. Pro properly address what's actually happening in our soul so we can help our children, not just our biological children. But our children, mm -hmm. because they're, yeah. you know, they're asking questions as uh, Reverend Wells' son asked him, called him Reverend Wells' son is in the Navy. And he, he was a he was called his dad because he's like, look, I'm serving my country. I could come home, be out of uniform and could end up being one of these people on the side of the road shot while he's serving mm -hmm. his country. And right. that's a real conversation. And, you mm -hmm. know, if you want, it, 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 he addressed this a couple of weeks ago. So it's on the beginning of one of his sermons on the, on the face. I forgot what date it was exactly. It was either three, I think it was three Sundays, two or three Sundays ago. Uh, however, the, 
I thought it was a powerful question because he said, well, you know, he gave initially Reverend Wells gave his new thought answer. Well, you know, you're protected. I'm good. We, we prayed up, whatever. And he started asking, but could it happen to this person? And could it happen mm-hmm. to that person? And could it yep. happen to this person? And as I'm listening to Reverend Wells have uh, described this conversation with his son and the wake up call it gave him. It made me think about when we were um, protesting when Laquan McDonald got shot in Chicago, the 16 shots, as people call it. Um, Mm. I remember saying to Lola Wright on the phone before we went down there to protest, uh, I said to her, you know, what's crazy to me about this is uh, why should I have to be a mystic to get justice? You know, you know, it's easy as new thought Christians who are black to be able to say, well, I walk in the light. I drive in the light. I'm protected in the light. I'm in the presence and power of God at all times. But but my my white friends and family members have never had to say that I know of to their sons or daughters, this is how you have to show up if the police show up, if they pull you over for a ticket, or what black people call the talk. In fact, the talk isn't being given to people of the same age of a different race speaks volumes. So I think we have to make sure that we're doing our own self-care, as everyone has said, and empower yeah. yourself with information. Get the right yeah. information. Do your study. Do your work. Do what you need to mm-hmm. be able to do. And then listen, because whether, as Reverend Greg said, whatever the movement is, when the young people get their energy behind it, because they're saying, you know what, if it ain't right, then we need to tear it down and rebuild it. And I, and I think when we have systems in place, uh, yeah. And I'm not talking about destruction, rioting, uh, looting, and things of that nature. I'm talking about legitimate protest. But mm-hmm. when that energy shows up, it pushes for paradigms to be broken. And I think that it's important that we are open to what we think works to shatter so something new can emerge. So I'm looking at the clock. Oh, my yes, God. Yes. Uh, guess we have like 30 seconds left. So, first of all, thank, thank you, you Sheila, for your thank call. You. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank so, you. So, um, let me just say this, because I'm going to be doing a series of these shows. Would the three of you all be open to coming back and finishing this show? Because I had like five sure. or six questions. I didn't Absolutely. even get a chance to ask you all. Absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. So, they'll have to be in July, because I have to book these out a certain amount of time so Unity can do what they do. So, thank you all for coming on the show Uh, Make sure, listeners, that you share this show with others so we can help transform the consciousness around this conversation. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.